The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welger. You are listening to episode 173. Today is Sunday, January the 26th. We had a bonus episode for you folks this past week. For those of you who missed it on Friday night, I had the Southpaw outlaw Serena De Jesus on the show. She had to get some anger off her chest and I gave her the platform to do so. Uh, so that would be episode 172 and a half. Go back and check that one out in case you missed it. Um, we had uh, some MMA action over the weekend, UFC and Bellator. Before I get into all that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey and well-rested, Jeff, the animal Wilson. Jeff, are you feeling refreshed on this Sunday evening, my friend? I am, Bill, mostly because it's been unseasonably warm up here in New Jersey for this January. Bill, your boy needs some snow, man. I'd like to not have to go to work, you know, maybe like, give me just one day, just one snow day, just to kind of catch up with everything. We just finished midterms. That's all I ask. Just one, one snow day. <laughs> Granted. I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, working 180 days a year is a little cumbersome. Bill, it's different, man. <laughs> As a full-time dad, you should understand me, Bill, because I basically got to raise these kids since their parents won't do it. Yeah, but I don't get any snow days, Jeff. I got to be a, I'm a dad all the time, which by the way, uh, the team got hit with the flu here in the Welker household. Uh, first the baby, then the wife. Uh, I'm convinced it didn't hit me because I basically embalmed myself with bourbon. Which I think <laughs> I think preserves my body. <laughs> it, it may it may age me and give me a few extra wrinkles, but I'm convinced that's what kept, what kept the flu away, which is why yeah, I'm continuing to uh, liquor myself up here as we, as we talk. I'll get into what I'm sipping on a little bit later. Let's talk about some mixed martial arts because that's why the people are here, Jeff. Uh, UFC Fight Night 166, Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm a big fan of the state of North Carolina. Fun place, a lot of great breweries. I've been there a couple of times. I plan to go back. Um, heavyweights in action in the main event here, Jeff. Let's start at the top. Curtis Blades, man, I I cannot explain the phenomenon that is Curtis Blades because whatever it is about him, he just doesn't click with this MMA community. Um, you know, he's been kind of labeled as like a lay and pray fighter because of his wrestling abilities and and um and I can't really understand where it comes from. The guy has 13 wins in mixed martial arts. 10 of them are by knockout or TKO and, and against top competition. And if you look at the only people he hasn't been able to knock out, it's Mark hunt, which, you know, all right, Mark hunt, 
uh, Justin Willis and uh, Daniel Omelanchik. Uh, they all three um, guys are, are really tough to finish. Um, so I don't know where this kind of stigma has been attached to Curtis blades from. Um, and, and he's in a really precarious situation because does he deserve the title shot? Probably. Will he get it? Probably not. You know why? Cause Francis Ngannou is fighting, uh, Jairzinho Rosenstrike coming up very shortly. And uh, a lot of people are already talking about the winner of that fight, uh, getting the title shot. And Curtis blades has two losses, and both of those losses are to Francis Ngannou. Granted, they were both very controversial, but they're losses on paper nonetheless. Um, so I don't know, man. It, it's kind of a – he's kind of in an odd spot because it, the guy's a fucking monster. I mean, there's no denying it. Look what he did to Junior Dos Santos last night. Uh, but for whatever reason, he just can't get that fire lit under him. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's because he's so soft-spoken – um, you know, he doesn't do enough to, to kind of get himself out there. I don't know the explanation, but, uh, talk to me about the fight, Jeff. What did you think about his performance against, uh, Junior Dos Santos in there last night? Well, I think his talking was done in the cage, man. Um, he looked phenomenal, you know, not to take anything away from Junior Dos Santos. He always brings it, but Curtis Blades, man, he was just ready for him. Uh, everything that, Junior Dos Santos was doing was the right thing, but Curtis Blades using that wrestling man to to his advantage, and <clears throat> it kept Junior Dos Santos honest. You know, Junior Dos Santos was expending a lot of energy blocking those takedowns, and um, there was one instance in the first round where he Junior Dos Santos stuffed a takedown, but Curtis Blades got behind him for a sec, and Junior Dos Santos ran forward and did a spinning back fist just to avoid, you know, Curtis Blades being too close to him. So I think Curtis Blades is doing the right thing. He's mixing everything together really well. Um, the final sequence of this fight was absolutely vicious because, you know, and, and I always talk about patterns and Curtis Blades built that pattern into Junior Dos Santos' brain. Um, Curtis Blades dropped his level. And Junior Dos Santos dropped his hands for a sec. And as soon as Curtis Blades came up, he came up so fast, Bill. He And he landed that overhand right that just stunned Dos Santos. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know what happened exactly, but Dos Santos covered up. And then he was kind of bent forward, which, uh, you know, we never see that from Dos Santos. He's usually, mm -hmm. you know, his guards up here. And Dos Santos just, you know, he crumbled under Blades' pressure. So... You know, Curtis Blades is the combination of pressure, wrestling, um, vicious ground and pound, which for some reason nobody talks about. This guy, mm -hmm. if he gets on top of you, you're not getting up, man. Um, and, and just unadulterated power. And I think that part of the reason nobody really has him in the heavyweight title conversation is like you said he's very soft-spoken you mm -hmm. know he's not gonna call anybody out in particular he's not going you're not going to see him go into a rant uh he's a, he's a really mellow guy bill but lord knows nobody wants to be in that cage with him either mm -hmm. yeah and that's part of the problem you know if he's not opening his mouth and calling out the shots that he wants uh nobody's gonna really step up and say like you know what i really want to do today i really want to get in a in a 
cage fight with Curtis Blades, who's who's knocked out, uh, you know, ten of his fifteen opponents. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the I love your description uh, of what he did to Junior Dos Santos. So Dos Santos uh, did did everything that he could. You know, he he kept a a low squatting stance and he kept his hands low, which is what you have to do to defend the takedowns. Uh, which he did. He didn't get taken down at all in that fight. And then, but the price you pay for that is your face is exposed. So maybe you can deal with the wrestling of Curtis Blades. But uh, you know, if you're if you're giving up some of your defenses to defend that wrestling, uh, you got to pay the price for that sometimes. But yeah, just beautiful technique. He was timing that counter uppercut from Junior Dos Santos. He was throwing that rear uppercut every time Curtis changed levels, and Curtis picked up on it. And he he baited him with that takedown, with that level change, and he knew that uppercut was coming. And he was able to stay move his head just off the center line enough when he threw that overhand right to get away from that uppercut and, and land the perfect punch. Uh, it, it was really a work of art. I, I rewatched that sequence over and over, and um, it, you know, it was just it, it. That's what it was. It was a work of art. You know. He made uh, Dos Santos bite on that level change so hard. He timed that counter uppercut, and and he threw the overhand right right around it. Uh, it was really it was really awesome and a, and a spectacular performance by Curtis Blades. Um, will it give him the opportunity to get in there with Stipe? I don't think so. Stipe has been talking about so many other things. Um, you know, the rematch with DC is always a possibility. If the company throws enough money at him, you know, Stipe will get in there with DC. We got to, we kind of got to see that rubber match. I mean, they both knocked each other out one time. Um, that's the most logical next step in the heavyweight division, in my opinion. And then you have Nganu and Rosenstrike. I think if Rosenstrike beats Nganu, you're going to be likely to see him get a title shot. Uh, just because the guy's been on such a tear lately, especially if he's able to knock out Nganu impressively. If Nganu wins, I don't think a lot of people will be in a hurry to see a rematch with him and Stipe. Um, but Curtis Blaze in a weird spot, man. It, it's not like he can even call out Nganu again to to kind of like wipe this blemish off his record. And, and the two fights with Nganu were really unfortunate because the first one was stopped by a cut. And the second one was a really controversial TKO uh, 45 seconds or so into the fight. I'd have to look up exactly what it was, but I, I know it was under a minute. Um, and, and we know that that's, that's not a Curtis blades performance, but you know, nonetheless, if you look up his record, it, it shows that he was TKO'd by Nganu uh, really quickly twice. So it kind of puts him in a bad spot, but, uh, he got himself a nice little highlight reel last night. So uh, I was really happy for him. I, I've been a fan of Curtis Blades for a long time. I don't know how he'll do against Stipe in there because Stipe is a different level. Curtis Blades has great hands. Stipe has greater hands. Curtis Blades has awesome wrestling. Stipe has better wrestling. You know, Curtis's wrestling credentials are phenomenal, especially at heavyweight, because you don't see a lot of heavyweights who can wrestle. So that junior college wrestling puts him 10 levels ahead of nine out of 10 heavyweights. But Stipe was a division one wrestler. Uh, and it's just a different, it's just a different ball game. You know, they're, they're, they're two different sports almost. Um, but 
the thing I will say about Curtis is he's learned to adapt that wrestling really well to MMA uh, and he's proven it in his performances. So um, I, I do hope he gets that title shot, but I just don't, I don't see it happening. I, I think um, his best bet may be to immediately call out Rosenstrike if Rosenstrike wins uh, against Nganu. Uh, let Stipe do whatever he's going to do, rematch DC or whatever the case. And then, um, you know, try and get the title shot this way. That would be my advice there. Uh, co-main event, uh, kind of surprising um, performance from Michael Chiesa. Looked really good in there against uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, and, and he looked huge, man. I, I was looking at Chiesa in, in one of the post-fight uh, interview things where they he comes up to the desk and uh, Anthony Smith and Rashad Evans were there. And Chiesa was bigger than Rashad Evans. I mean, I know Rashad's not a huge guy, but he fought at heavyweight, don't forget. And Michael Chiesa fought at lightweight. And and Chiesa's there, and he looks like, you know, broader shoulders, and he's he's taller. He looks like he's looking super muscular now. Um, just a, a great performance. I mean, his, his wrestling entries looked really good against RDA. Uh, his top control, you know, as we've known about him, uh, phenomenal. The fact that he was able to control a black belt like RDA and, and RDA to his credit, like he's an old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So he's a top pressure guy. You know, if he, if he gets, he's gonna, he's not going to submit you off his back or anything like that. You know, he's a nasty black belt when he's on top of you and, and able to put pressure on you. Um, but, but not so much the other way around. Uh, I thought it was a good performance by Kiaz. I thought his wrestling looked good and, and um, yeah, I mean, he got caught with a couple of big shots, but, you know, he, he shows that he could take a punch at, at this weight class, and uh, I think he's found a new home. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Well, I think you're underplaying Kieso's performance here. You did a good job of describing it, but, Bill, that was a master class, man. Kieso went in there and just controlled every aspect of this fight, dude. The, when Kieso wanted, the fight was on the ground, you know, Um I think he realized how good RDA is on the feet. You know, uh, he's got a very uh, RDA has a very very strong Muay Thai background, especially when you let him get going when he gets in your face, um, dude. And I think that Kessa just did such a good job of stifling that with his takedowns. And when they were on the floor, man, it was all Michael Kessa. RDA did a good job of getting back up in the first round, uh, even early second round. But after that, he was just so exhausted from carrying Michael Kessa around on his back. And, um, dude, uh, you know, Kessa threatened with one or two submissions. But I think to me, that control that he had on the ground is just as scary, man. Um, you know, to make somebody feel like no matter what they do, they're not getting out of this, to, to make them feel like they're drowning almost, trying to go against the current, you know, huge, huge feather in Kessa's cap. Um, I think that 170 is a good weight class for him. And like you said, the man is enormous, dude. He was like a whole foot taller than Michael Kessa at the weigh-ins. And Bill... I mean, then uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Mm-hmm. Bill, I could see Michael Kessa even fighting at 185, man. The guy's enormous. Walks around like 200 pounds. I don't know how he made 155 at one point in his life, dude. Yeah. Well, he he would barely make it. That's what he did. I mean, remember when he fought like Kevin Lee? He really sucked himself out mm. uh, to cut that far down. Um, 
And, and I think he's adopted a new strength and conditioning program, a, a new coach maybe uh, that's helped him put on some muscle. But yeah, he, he's just got a huge frame. I mean, he's really tall. Um, let's talk about the call out. I, I liked it, man. I, I thought it was direct to the point. It was memorable. He said, DC, I want to keep this short. I want to call my next opponent, Colby Covington. I'll see you in July. And he walks off. Um, I, I thought it was a perfect call out. I like the fight. I think it's a great matchup. And uh, he was asked about it in that in the post-fight um, interview at the desk I was telling you about. And he said the reasoning was he just wants a challenge. He thinks that Colby is one of the best uh, welterweights out there. He's not looking for like a lot of smack talk. He's going to leave all that up to him. Uh, in the buildup, but he thinks it's just a, a good challenge for his career going forward, and he wants to test himself against the best. I, I think it's an awesome fight. I mean, because Colby can take down any welterweight on the planet. We've seen it. Um, but do you want to take Michael Chiesa to the ground? And do you want to stand with him when he was when he's so rangy and everything like that? Um, but you know, then again, we've seen Colby take guys like Damian Maya to the ground, no problem. So. Uh, I, I think it's a fun matchup. Give me your thoughts, Jeff, on the call-out and the actual matchup itself. Bill, I liked it. I liked the call-out. It was to the point. You know, he wasn't, you know, making a big scene out of this. I liked it. I think that it's a very interesting matchup stylistically. Um, and, you know, I, I think that Michael Kessa is someone who maybe doesn't draw the most attention, but I think a fight like this – kind of puts him on the map in the welterweight division. So I think it's a really smart move by Michael, Michael Kessa, not only for his career, but also, uh, like you said, to challenge himself. I respect that a lot. So let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how quick Colby Covington will be to jump at this opportunity. I mean, he is, uh, you know, the number two ranked contender or the number one contender still probably, um, you know, he may want to crack at the, the winner of the Tyrone Woodley, uh, Leon Edwards fight. Uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of heat between Woodley and Covington and they, they have a score to settle there. Um, but uh, that would be my first choice is Woodley and Covington. But if that doesn't come through, I'm all for uh, Chiesa and Covington. Um, I think it's a fun fight. All right, Jeff, um, before we go through the rest of this card here, I've been sipping on some scotch. I've been talking all about bourbons uh, for the longest time. I was on a big bourbon kick. And um, I got in the mood for some scotch the other day, and this is what I was sipping on during the fights last night. This is uh, the Glen Rothes. Uh, it's a Speyside scotch. Uh, it's aged 12 years um, in uh, in sherry oak casks. So casks made out of oak wood um, that had sherry wine in them, which is you know a sweeter wine. Uh, this is a little bit sweeter of a scotch than I was expecting. Usually you think scotch, you think smoky. Uh, but, but this one's actually pretty sweet and it's not just because of the sherry. It's, it's, um, uh, because of the way it's made and it's not, it's not made with dried peat, which, uh, which, uh, gives it that smokiness because they, they burn the peat uh, and the, the peat has a smoky flavor that gets into the whiskey sometimes, which a lot of scotch snobs will tell you they hate that, um, that peaty flavor. They'll tell you it tastes like boiled band-aids and, um, they're wrong. But <laughs> so something like Tell a log of like a log say it again, of say it again so they can hear it, Bill. They're wrong. They're wrong, Jeff. There you go. Was that loud enough? Think they heard that? Yeah. Guys are, <laughs> guys are wrong. 
I'm going to be like Stephen A. Smith. You dead wrong on this one, Joe Rogan. <laughs> dead wrong. All right. <laughs> um, so a little sweeter than I expected, but not not too sweet. So um, on the nose, it's got some white chocolate a little bit. And then um, on the palate, it's got like some green apple, a little melon, uh, and even a little cinnamon on the back end, a little bit of, uh, of spiciness on the finish. Um, really smooth. You don't need to cut it with any water or anything like that. Um, really solid, like uh, dessert type scotch. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I was enjoying it last night while I was watching Curtis Blades uh, beat some ass. Uh, in any case, let's move on here. Uh, a little revival for the flyweights last night. Alex Perez with a nasty arm triangle on Jordan Espinoza. Um, it, it wasn't even a, a full arm triangle because he got it from from top half guard uh and he kind of just crushed the throat of espinosa with shoulder pressure and espinosa was kind of doing the right thing in that he wasn't letting uh perez pass his guard to to get across for the arm triangle but he also wasn't defending the arm triangle at all he wasn't doing uh, any you know any of the right defenses uh to to get out of this um and yeah, you wouldn't expect somebody to be able to finish it from half guard, but uh, you know, some guys just have that squeeze, man. And Alex Perez uh, has that squeeze, and he used it. Uh, so Espinosa, I don't know what he was doing. I mean, he was doing a good job retaining his half guard, but um, he, you know, wasn't attempting to escape, wasn't trying to to shrimp out or you know press his hand to his face or or do any of the defenses um, at all, or straighten or even straighten his arm back out. Uh, he just kind of let per Perez have this one and um, Perez took it, finished it. And I think he got a bonus for it. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Bill, I actually had some, had an opinion as to why uh, Jordan Espinoza wasn't defending the, the arm triangle here. Uh, you know, with the arm triangle and Bill, this is one of my favorite submissions. You know, you're essentially driving the opponent's shoulder into their own neck to choke them out here into their own carotid artery but the way that it was set up here by alex perez the pressure was coming from the other side the side that perez's own shoulder was on and i think that the reason that espinoza wasn't defending was one he had the half guard so he probably and that that's a good way to get out of it if you're moving you know mm -hmm. uh and that's the problem espinoza was moving but i you know it wasn't on his um Perez's body was not on the right side to finish the arm triangle here. Usually you want your body on the side that's pushing the, the opponent's own shoulder into their carotid artery. Mm -hmm. So I think Espinosa in his mind, he thought he was safe, but at the same time, the arm triangle is a slower choke. It's a blood choke. So you're not going to feel it right away. And dude, credit to Perez. His shoulder pressure is nasty, dude. His shoulder pressure is what got the choke here. So huge performance for Alex Perez. I loved it. Um, and I think you're right, Bill. I think the flyweights needed something like this. They needed a really nice finish. And even leading up to that, the fight was great, man. Um, you know, I, I, I've always been a very big proponent of the flyweight division here. And I and it's because of fights like that, mm -hmm. you know. 
Uh, it's fights like that that made me fall in love with that division. So, um, you know, I hopefully we see we hear a little bit more about the title picture here uh, because obviously the UFC, I think they wanted to be rid of the flyweight division by now. But I think it's fights like these that are keeping that division afloat right now. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I can't see Henry Cejudo making that weight cut again if he doesn't have to. Uh, you know, he's just kind of holding on to his two belts for as long as possible until the UFC finally strips him of one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be that flyweight title. And it, it's going to be hard for them to hang on as a weight class uh, without Cejudo because as cringeworthy as, as he is, um, you know, he did revive that division by beating Mighty Mouse because it was a it was a dead division because yeah. nobody could even come close to beating Mighty Mouse. And and uh, you know, it kind of like it was kind of like, why do you even want to watch something if you already know what's gonna happen? And Henry mm. Cerudo was the one that was able to mix that bag up a little bit. Um I think if it would have been even better if Mighty Mouse stuck around and they they had a you know a rubber match there. Um, I think it would have been a better case there because now you have, you know, your top contenders, Joseph Benavidez has already fought Cejudo. Um, yeah, like twice, I think, right? No, just once. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he beat him, I believe, in a really close fight. But yeah, that's just like, and and I think the only person to beat Alex Perez is, is Joseph Benavidez. So. You know, maybe that's the fight to to make Perez and Benavidez and do it for the vacant flyweight title. That's what I would do um, because I, you know, my money would be on Cejudo never returning to that flyweight division. Yeah. All right. Um, Angela Hill beat the shit out of the, the local girl, Hannah Cyphers. Um, just some nasty grounded pound. Uh, this is the most vicious we've ever seen Angela Hill look. And the, the reason I'm a fan of Angela Hill is because she fights like every other month. And if she doesn't, she's like, Hey, I need a fight. And she, that's all she'll talk about. Like, I, I need to fight. Like, let's fight. And even after this one, she's like, I want to fight. I want to be on this Scotland card. And it's coming up in, in a couple of months, whatever it is, because my husband's Scottish. I want to fight there, but it's a little too far away. So I need another fight while I'm waiting for that fight. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it, it reminds me of, um, the movie Christmas Vacation, where Bill Murray's brother, Brian Doyle Murray, plays Chevy Chase's boss. And Chevy Chase comes in the room, and Brian Doyle Murray doesn't want to talk to him. He just picks up the phone. He's like, get me somebody. I don't care, anybody. And get me somebody while I'm waiting. <laughs> it reminds me of that. But, um, yeah, nasty, nasty elbows from Angela Hill. It just mounted ciphers and, and just... You know, the referee had to come in and save her. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Angela Hill looked great in there. Like you said, a pound ground and pound was vicious, you know, dropping some mean elbows from the top. And Bill, I liked that version of Angela Hill. You know, sometimes she seems a little patient. And she even talked about in the post-fight interview that she didn't want to leave it in the hands of the judges because it doesn't always go her way. Uh, And, you know, I feel like there have been one or two fights that really should have gone her way. So good for Angela Hill, man. I like that killer instinct. I want to see more of that. Yeah, man. I agree. And you'll probably see more of it soon because she wants to fight in Scotland and then have another fight while she's waiting for her fight in Scotland. <laughs> so uh, good things for Angela Hill, uh, hopefully. Uh, good night for the Hills. Uh, Jamal Hill 
getting a dominant win over Darso, Darko Stoicic um, and, and looked good doing it. And uh, Bevon Lewis getting a win over Daquan Townsend. Uh, Bevon looked really good, he, even though his he blew out his knee or something uh, like early in the fight. Uh, hopefully we don't hear his dad coming out and, <laughs> and complaining about how his knee was hurt like we did with Macy Barber last week. Um, and then uh, I'll give you one more, Jeff, just for the sake of time. I'll give you these three here and then tell me the one you want to comment on. Arnold Allen um, beating up on the, the, the last-minute replacement opponent and Nick Lentz. Uh, Nick Lentz stepping up on on like a week's notice to get in there with Arnold Allen, who who really kind of put it on him. And Nick Lentz was looking a lot worse for wear uh, when this thing was over. But um, but between those three, so Hill over Stoicic, Bevon Lewis over Townsend, and Arnold Allen over Nick Lentz, all unanimous decision victories. Um, which, which one impressed you the most, or if any of them? Excuse me. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Bill. For me, the most impressive here was Arnold Allen. Nick Lentz is a very tough guy, scary dude. Uh, when he, when you know, when when he's prepared and everything, and you know, the fact that Arnold Allen took him on on a week's notice. You know, both of these guys had different opponents, I believe, on this same card. So you know, the last minute changeup always really scary. And I think Arnold Allen handled it like a pro, man. He went in there, looked really good against Nick Lentz who again is a tough guy in this featherweight division and i think that arnold allen is definitely someone to keep your your eye on he flies under the radar bill but he is very well rounded you know stand up is really good mm -hmm. definitely one of his more standout uh skills here in mma but dude uh yeah man arnold allen it, it's a name you're gonna hear come up a lot in the future i think so definitely someone to keep on the radar for sure man and then we had uh, Justine Kish getting a unanimous decision victory over Lucy Pudilova. Um, a, a lot of people with varying opinions on how they saw this one going. And Pudilova has lost a couple of decisions now because she likes to stay on the outside and point fight. And when she gets pressured, um, the judges see, uh, see that pressure as her getting beat. E even though she may be outlanding her opponents, she's not doing a lot of damage and she's not moving forward and it, it's kind of been to her demise especially in her last couple of fights and also justine kish apparently shit her pants during this fight so uh give me your thoughts jeff again yeah oh man i actually didn't watch this one i didn't uh jump on the card until the arnold allen versus nick lens fight but uh bill didn't that happen last time when she fought against uh felice harry or something um I'm not sure. Somebody it, shit their pants one time in the cage against Felice Herring. Yeah. Um, I'm like 90% sure it was Justine Kish. Man, you know what? Maybe it was, and maybe that's what I saw people talking about. So I, I don't know if she had done it again. We may be reporting false news here, Jeff. But a lot of people were talking about, like, it, talking about it as if it had happened again last night. And it was... It was Justine Kish um, against Felice Herrig. So you're correct about that. That was July 14, 2017. That's a moment that will go down in, in shit history. Um, and since that time, it has been put into the unified rules that if you shit your pants, you lose. I like that. Yeah. I mean, somebody beats the shit out of you, you lose. 
So there's that. Um, I'm going to have to fact check this now because I saw people talking on Twitter. Maybe they were just roasting her for, you know, this event that happened three years ago. Um, or, or maybe she shit herself again. In any case, she won the fight. So there's that. Um, Montel Jackson and uh, Philippe diaz Colades. uh, in my opinion, this was the fight of the night, Jeff. I don't know if you caught this one. It was on the prelims. These guys were going back and forth. They were fighting at, at an insane pace. And in the third round, Jackson lit Kolaris up with one of the most vicious combinations I've seen in a long time. And Kolaris uh, hung in there. Um, you know, he... He took some huge shots from Montel Jackson, whose combinations looked really crisp, really like really hard punches. Um, he was mixing things together really well. Um, th this fight had grappling exchanges. It had boxing exchanges, back and forth action, like everything you could want out of a fight. These guys didn't get a bonus. Um, but in my opinion, it was the fight of the night. Did you catch this one, Jeff? I did not, but I'm going to have to go back and watch it. And, Bill, there's a couple of fights I want to go back and watch. My man Brett Johns getting it done against Tony Gravely and the brother of everybody's favorite judo artist, Gilbert Burns, his brother Herbert Burns, having a successful UFC debut last night, Bill. I got some homework to do, man. Yeah, I mean, they have to be... By far the toughest brothers named Gilbert and Herbert. Because yeah. if, you, if you're like, hey, my name's Gilbert. Me and my brother Herbert, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You would laugh. <laughs> like you're laughing did. now. Just did, yeah. But if it happened to be Gilbert and Herbert Burns saying this, um, then they'd be right. They're going to beat the shit out of you, whoever you are. These two are bad motherfuckers uh, with, with <laughs> very unassuming names. Yeah, you would never, you would never expect like a bad motherfucker to be named Gilbert or Herbert, <laughs> but yet here we are talking about them because they're bad motherfuckers. Herbert Burns, uh, with a, a knee knockout in the first round, it was a nasty one too. And uh, your boy Brett Johns, the Pikey, uh, submission victory uh, in the third round, but this was a, a very grappling heavy match. Uh, and this one actually did win fight of the night. There's a lot of back and forth grappling exchanges. And then the only one we skipped over here, Sarah McMahon with a dominant victory over Lena Landsberg using that Olympic caliber wrestling uh, to just put Lena Landsberg on her back over and over and over again and just smothered her, just smothered her, Jeff. Uh, like I could barely breathe watching this fight. Mm. Um, that's how suffocating Sarah McMahon was, you know, getting back to the Sarah McMahon of old. She, her wrestling is just so powerful. Um, yeah. If she gets her hands around you, like you're, you're getting dragged down to the pits of hell. Um, yeah, but I think Sarah McMahon, I love her. She's one of my favorite fighters, but I think her career really suffered from that loss to Ronda Rousey. And, Ever since that loss, people kind of forget that, you know, Ronda was in the Olympics, but so was Sarah McMahon. Sarah McMahon won an Olympic medal before Ronda did. Mm -hmm. And people forget that, man. Sarah McMahon's dangerous. You do not want to be in the cage with her uh -huh. ever. 
Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, she's shown a little susceptibility to uh, jujitsu. Uh, her last two fights before this one, she was submitted uh, by Marion Renault and Ketlin Vieta, respectively. Um, but, you know, she was back with a vengeance in this one. And if you look at her record, you know, Prior to that, her losses were to Amanda Nunez, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, all champions. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I mean, if, if she cleans up the jiu-jitsu a little bit, I mean, I, I would love to see down the line maybe Sarah McMahon getting back in there with Amanda Nunez, but, you know, she is 39 years old. Uh, oh, I so, forgot that part. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, but, you know, Still a monster in there. Oh, um, yeah. I wouldn't want a wrestler. In any case, um, we, we got some time off from the UFC, um, at, at least for a week now, before we have uh, the next pay-per-view, UFC 247, which will be on February 8th. That's John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. So we have another week to talk that one over. Um, so but before we kind of take a take a high-level look at that one, I want to talk about Bellator really quickly. I only saw highlights of the Bellator card, but uh, I want to talk about Cyborg uh, winning the featherweight championship over Julia Budd. Um, and, and this is a big deal because now Cyborg has been a champion in Strikeforce, Invicta, the UFC, and Bellator. Uh, you know, she's got the Grand Slam. Uh, I think she may be the only person, male or female, that has titles in four different organizations that includes the UFC. Mm. You know, so there are people like, I think Ben Askren maybe has championships in, in four different ones. He had like one FC Bellator. I, I don't know if he had. I yeah. Know. I think he had a strike force belt too, right? Strike force. And then and world series of fighting. Yes. World series of fighting. But so, I think she may be the only one male or female that has four championships in four different organizations that includes the UFC. That's a big deal. So yeah. a lot of people making the argument like, Oh, she's the greatest female combat athlete of all time. But hold on a second. Amanda Nunez knocked her out in like a minute. Something, um, you know, both great arguments, I think because cyborg, you know, you can't deny her accomplishments. I mean, people have been trying to do it her whole career, but you know, she just um, she just keeps getting in there and wins, and she you know she keeps her head to the grindstone and and does what she has to do to uh, keep winning. But then Amanda Nunez, you can't deny her accomplishments either. I mean, two division champion in the UFC. She doesn't have all the other organization belts, to, but that's because she hasn't fought there. Uh, you know, if she had, if she goes over to Bellator, she'll win the belt. No problem. I mean, she could end her UFC contract, go challenge the Bellator champion, go challenge uh, the the one champion, whoever their um, bantamweight or featherweight champion is, and she can go collect a bunch of belts. Um, so it's kind of like it, at, at a certain point, you're comparing apples to oranges. But we can say for a fact, she's one of the greatest female combat athletes of all time. And, uh, she, she looked patient in the fight from the parts I saw of it, uh, in there with a very experienced Julia bud who's only 13 and three in MMA, but she's got a lot of experience in Muay Thai. Um, she has a victory over Gina Carano in Muay Thai. Uh, cyborg has a victory over Gina Carano in MMA. Uh, so there's that. 
Um, yeah, man, I thought it was impressive. She looked patient in there. You know, the knockout came in the fourth round, and when it came, uh, she hit Julia Budd with a, a vicious flurry. It was really, really nice. Uh, mixed up the combination really well. Um, it kind of similar to the combination Curtis Blades is throwing on Junior Dos Santos up against the cage, but yeah, she looked good. Um, and then uh, Darian Caldwell looked really good um, with with a nasty rear naked choke that was kind of like off to the side, and he was like pulling pulling the leg to the side of the opponent. Very uh, very unusual finish to the rear naked choke. And then I apparently Sergio Pettis is in Bellator now. I mean, I, what? What yeah, did that happen? I have no idea, but he uh, he, he finished uh, with a first round guillotine uh, over Alfred Kashakian. So there's that, and then uh, Raymond Daniels, the the world famous kickboxer, with the first round TKO victory over Jason King, whoever that is. Uh, if you haven't seen the highlight of Raymond Daniels' first knockout win in Bellator. Uh, you need to Google that. The, the guy is a fucking phenomenal kickboxer. Um, and, and then there's there's a bunch of other irrelevant things on here. Aaron Pico with a knockout victory over some guy. Um, I didn't even tune in for this. Oh, apparently Curtis Millinder is in, <laughs> is in Bellator too. And he what? won last night. Yeah, I guess like all these... <laughs> All these people that got cut from the UFC got quietly picked up by Bellator so quietly that as involved in MMA as I am, I haven't heard about any of this. Um, oh, and apparently AJ Agazarm won a fight. So, okay. I'm a, I'm finding all this out now, Jeff, because I'm just reading the card. But uh, give me your reactions to summer or all of this or or none of this, you know, whatever, whatever you want. Bill, after hearing Cyborg win the belt, everything was just a shock to me, man. AJ Algarzar, I thought he was still competing in like EBIs. I, I didn't know he finally jumped into MMA. I knew he'd wanted to, but uh, I thought after getting slapped up by. Uh, our boy Jake Shields. I thought he'd be put off by it. But anyway, no, he had a fight in Bellator um, a while ago, and it was terrible. It was, mm. it was really terrible. Um, apparently, he's three and one in MMA. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, they're all in Bellator. So I haven't heard of anybody he's fought, but all right. So he, I guess, I guess he's an MMA fighter now. Yeah, I'm also surprised to hear about Curtis Melender and uh, Sergio Pettis here. But I think for Pettis, it's a good move to go to Bellator because of the conversation we had about the flyweights and not knowing where they stand. I know that Pettis, uh, that that's been one of his uh, main divisions. Now he's more at bantamweight, but even the bantamweight division in the UFC, it's kind of clogged up at the top. Um, mostly because the division keeps going while Henry Cejudo is uh, kind of on the sidelines here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I I'll be honest with you, Bill. I knew that Cyborg had a fight coming up. I thought it was like next month, though. Yeah, yeah. I um I saw the picture of her holding up the four belts, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's something worth talking about. So I, I looked up the highlights of the fight, but... Um, I was happy the UFC was over by like 
10 30 p.m oh week. yeah dude that was like the best gift i could have received i like these espn cards that are over early um i know we have a we have a bunch of listeners over in the uk and stuff that and and right and ireland too and they're all just like fuck you guys you don't you have no idea what it's like but uh <laughs> and uh, oh, australia too we get a lot of listeners in australia jeff um they're they're probably like you know fuck you guys we gotta we gotta be up in the middle of the night watching these things we gotta get up at five in the morning every weekend all right and it, you know i feel bad for you guys if i can send you all a sympathy card i would but you know i don't they can move over here it's fine that's true that's true they can um you know there's a reason that it's prime time in our time zone jeff it's because we're the center of the universe amen to that brother yeah the sooner people come to terms with that, then the better off they'll be. But I've actually considered moving to the West Coast just so, just so UFC will be on earlier in the day. That's fine, dude. I don't even blame you for that. Like, could you imagine last night? Like, the fights would be over at seven p.m. Like, you need to, the fights are done. We could record an episode and then, like, and then still go out for a beer afterwards. Yeah, go out to dinner, like. <laughs> You know, still have still have like an hour of daylight after the fights are over. It'd be awesome. All right, that's it. I'm moving to Vegas. Um, yeah, man. So Bellator. All right, cool. That was a you know pretty cool card. I I might go back and check out a couple of these fights. I want to see the Raymond Daniels fight. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Raymond Daniels is, uh, world class kickboxer. And and they're doing it the right way. They're 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 kind of like easing them into MMA, giving them people that are going to stand up with them. Um, n- very unlike what the UFC did with Gokan Saki, where they just kind of threw him to the wolves right away. Uh, Gokan Saki, another world class kickboxer, K one champion, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, Bellator is doing it the right way with Raymond Daniels. I, I think they could really build him up uh, to be something special in MMA as well. Um, so we got, uh, John Jones and Dominic Reyes, um, hard for me to get excited about that main event, Jeff. I got to be honest, but I'm going to do my best next week, man. It's all good. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it off to next week. I'm going to do my best for you guys. You know, I, I hate to be, uh, I hate to be negative. I hate to point out problems without solutions. Uh, It's just not my style. Um, so I'm going to find a way to get excited about this main event and then um other than that we got a great card um valentina shevchenko putting her flyweight title on the line against caitlin chukagian um that's a fun one um it's not as much of a discrepancy as jones and reyes but not a lot of people giving chukagian a, a chance in this one um just because shevchenko is just a fucking phenom you know, she's up there, man. I, 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 there are some days where I would put her as the number one um, female fighter of all time. You know, I know she's got the two losses to Nunez, but like that first one, she she turned up the speed in that third round, and then uh, it was only a three round fight. And, and the second fight, I thought she could have won. You know, I thought it was uh, it was super close. Um, so yeah, if anything, last two rounds. yeah, if anything, she made it competitive with someone who moved up 
a weight class after that fight and she moved down a weight class after that fight. So, um, you know, you could make the argument for Shevchenko uh, being the best female uh, combat athlete of all time. Uh, you know, I think the three in the conversation have to be her, Nunez, and, and Cyborg. But, uh, you know, Chukagin, you know, don't sleep on her either. She's tough. And then uh, Alir Latifi's making his heavyweight debut, Jeff, which is interesting because I always thought Latifi, like, could probably go down to middleweight. Like he's, he's kind of small for light heavyweight. Yeah. And, uh, he was losing a bunch of fights and he's like, ah, I know what I need to do. got to get bigger. <laughs> he's going to be like a foot shorter than maybe everybody except DC in that division. Yeah. Yeah. Him and DC would be an interesting matchup that we'll never see, but he's fighting Derek <laughs> Lewis. So, Oh, good Lord. Nah, don't yeah. do it, man. Yeah. It's not don't a, do this to me, Bill. Not a good look for Latifi. I'm a big fan of Alir Latifi too. I'm a big so fan. Am of, I? A big fan of Derek Lewis. But yeah, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, oof. Uh, yeah, we got some good. Uh, we got some good stuff on this card. But uh, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it because we got uh, we got next week. We got to have something to talk about next week, right? Um, so uh, non MMA stuff. I uh. I watched um, Dracula on Netflix. They got a, I they call it a series, but it's it's three episodes, and each episode is an hour and a half. So it's really, it's really just like a four and a half hour movie. Um, but I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I, I it's hard for me to get into these shows and stuff because I don't have a whole lot of time to be watching TV and things. But Dracula on Netflix was pretty good. I thought. I thought they told the story really well. They they included a lot of aspects from the Bram Stoker novel. Uh, a lot of characters. They put a, a little bit of a modern twist on it. Uh, the only thing I thought was kind of weird, and um, I don't know if this will be a spoiler or not for those of you who haven't heard it. So uh, if you're planning on watching it and, and you don't want any spoilers, like skip ahead on the episode or, or tune out or something. But so Dracula is from romania and i always liked the the dracula accent that transylvania accent like oh go to the suck your blood jeff um but in the in the beginning of the show he so he kind of like when he drinks somebody's blood he kind of like takes their abilities or their knowledge and stuff they know and their life force and stuff so he drinks the blood of a british guy and then um he speaks with a British accent for the whole rest of the show. And I'm like, wait a second. Like it, this one guy. And then like now Dracula is British. Like I didn't, I didn't get that part of it. It, if you guys have some insight into this that I'm missing, like, please explain it to me. Like why, you know, maybe just the actors British and he couldn't do a Romanian accent. I like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I thought he did a great job. I thought he played a great Dracula. It was one of the most memorable Draculas um, I've seen in a long time. You know, there's been a lot of like, there's been a lot of cheesy vampire shit out there, you know, like the true blood and, and twilight and all that garbage. Um, but this got back to like, you know, the real like count Dracula vampire stuff. And I was into it. Um, have you seen this Jeff or, or are you interested in it at all? 
Yeah, no, dude. Uh, I remember the I remember reading Dracula in school, and I thought it was such a good a book. It was so well done, and <clears throat> you know, it always kept me guessing. So that's definitely something I want to check out. But Bill, since we're on the topic, um, I wanted to. I, well, I actually checked out this movie, um, the Mister Rogers movie starring Tom Hanks. Oh Mr. yeah, Rogers. Um, Bill it was absolutely amazing. I didn't really want to watch it at first. My friend kind of dragged me to it, uh-huh. but. Um, it was really, really interesting, man. I thought Tom Hanks was amazing as Mr. Rogers. And the way the movie was shot and filmed, they did it like it was an episode of Mr. Rogers. Uh, I grew up watching him. And um, it's. I thought it was going to be kind of a bio documentary type of thing, but it wasn't. It was actually about this journalist who's doing a piece on Mr. Rogers. And he's got a lot of issues himself. But Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers is such a nice guy that he kind of drops everything to get to know this kid and um mr rogers ends up helping him in a really big way he like this journalist ends up becoming a better person through knowing mr rogers Mm -hmm. so you know it it kind of takes a look at how some healthier ways to deal with things like anger and sadness um and you know mr rogers is by no means was by no means a saint so you know it, it looks it takes a look at how he deals with it um and you know the big thing is the big message here is that you know it's okay to get mad it's okay to get angry everybody gets frustrated but there are healthy ways to deal with it you know you and i train jujitsu well, you train jujitsu. I, you know, I'm on and off, but, um, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, it's, it's just about, you know, putting your energy into the right things. And I think that's something you and I kind of, kind of try to live by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big advocate of that. Um, you know, I, I've had to deal with some, some anger and, and things in, in my life and, and martial arts has definitely helped me kind of channel that a lot um everybody needs to find their thing you know you 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 uh you generate a lot of negative energy as a human being it's just it's just the nature of of being human but you have to be able to direct it into something positive and or else it's just gonna kind of eat you from the inside out and i think you know a lot of people kind of struggle with that a lot of people don't find their thing you know maybe jujitsu is not the thing for them and uh, they don't know what it is, um, but I, I think that's a, a really important part of life. Is you gotta you gotta figure out a way to take that negativity that can that can eat you from the inside out and and find a way to apply it to something positive. You know, we could sit around and and bitch and moan and complain about shit all day. You know, I can I can sit here and complain to you on the show every week, Jeff. But you know, we try and find positive things to talk about. We we try to find, uh, you know, the good and what's going on, no matter what it is. And um, I think people respond to that, Jeff. I think that's why we got people tuning in from, uh, you know, the UK and Ireland and Australia and and uh, Sweden was a surprising one that that people tune in a lot from. Um, a couple of others. Uh, I see Japan. I go in every now and then, and I check. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not all that concerned with the numbers, um, as you know, Jeff. But I, I like to. I like to see every now and then where people are listening from. That's that always interests me. Um, but yeah. So, shout out to all the people in uh, 
in Australia and in Europe and, and all over the place. Uh, you know, we love hearing from you guys and, and all the different opinions that come in. And a lot of people have been asking Jeff about the, uh, the missing drunken episode. Um, there's been a lot of requests for it. So I'm kind of, on, <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence about posting it. The episode I did with my brother, Rob, um, from Disney last week, I, I was on the fence about posting it. And then Serena reached out and asked to do an episode. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to put out three episodes this week. Yeah. Um, so if I get a couple of more requests, um, the, the guys from the uh, the Sound of Violence podcast, they're like, if anybody can convince Bill to post this episode, we'll take a shot of something disgusting on the air. <laughs> so, oh, they could do gin. Gin's disgusting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, a shot of gin would be gross. There's people listening in Brooklyn right now that are like, what are you talking about? We love gin. It's, it's so delicious. Haven't you ever had a... Uh, a Spanish style uh, gin and tonic, <laughs> whatever's whatever's popular over in uh, in Brooklyn right now, with all these people wearing uh, people wearing overalls and shit, like and bow ties making <laughs> making gin and tonics. <laughs> whatever the fuck they're doing. Oh man, but we're going off the rails here, man. Wearing those denim overalls with flannel shirts underneath, like. <laughs> It's a it's a craft cocktail bar. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, we really got off track, huh, from talking about MMA. <laughs> <laughs> we lost a bunch of people right now. Like everybody from Australia and, and Europe and I'm like, well, why the fuck do we listen to these guys? <laughs> In any case, before we lose more of you, we better just call it a night. Um if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff on social media, and please do, he's fun to interact with. That's why I keep him around, even though he, he keeps me waiting on Sunday nights sometimes while he's resting his brain, as he says it. But if you want to reach out to Jeff and interact with him, he'll respond to your messages, probably more than he responds to mine. And you can reach him at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me, and I encourage you. Please do. I always like hearing from everybody. Let me know what you're thinking and drinking out there. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can send me an email, MMA on the Rocks at gmail.com. You can visit the website, MMA on the Rocks.com. Lots of ways to get a hold of us, and, and we love hearing from you guys. But that's all we got for this week. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>